All right, welcome to Crunch Time. Frank's making me laugh before the show even starts. <laughs> uh, it's great to be out here oh, with boy. you guys here in Kansas City. And, oh, boy. Everybody's happy, even though they lost the game. Everybody's still happy. Everybody is still happy. You know, it's one of those games where, hey, listen, you know, I think most of us, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this, and we, most of us thought that, if, gosh, if they could be 3-3 three and three after six games, that would be something special. But 5-1 and one after six games and going into New England and playing the way they did offensively, you know, you, you got to give these guys a lot of credit. First of all, I, I think we've seen now in the first six games of the year, and I don't think it's going to change, that Patrick Mahomes is a guy that can compete, always competes, will compete through a game, get better as a game goes on, and in the fourth quarter is going to give your team a chance, notwithstanding the, the score, give your team a chance to win the football game. And, and if you can have that on your side, you can go far in the playoffs. Now, I'm not predicting the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, but I am predicting the Chiefs are going to win a couple games in the playoffs. I think with this quarterback, you're in every game. And in the playoffs – that's what it really comes down to. You have to have a guy that can get, make those plays that other people can't make and do those things that other people can't do, and Patrick Mahomes has shown that. So right now, we have that hand. We've been dealt a hand. We're playing five-card stud, and we have, we have three pair, right? We have, we have three of a kind right now. I mean, we're going to throw a couple cards in and see if we can get a better hand, but we have three of a kind. This team hasn't had a good hand in about 15 years maybe longer than that, to have an opportunity to win and win that hand in the playoffs. Yeah, really, Super Bowl, because if you say if they win two games in the Super Bowl and, they have, and they're the number one seed, I mean, if they win two games in the playoffs and they're number one seed, they're going. So that's the big deal for them. They, they'll get the week off, and then they'll get somebody in here, and then they'll go play in the AFC Championship game, and then they'll, they'll go from there. They go, you know, they go 16-2, and two, they're in. <laughs> They're going to be the Super Bowl. All yeah. you got to do is win one more. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's an amazing deal, and, and I think we all should be excited here in Kansas City. But, you know, and I'm not sure where this kid got this moxie or this ability to kind of not let the pressure get to him. I, I think it's either you got it or you don't. Yeah. I mean, you can't really teach a kid, you can't coach a kid into not letting pressure affect you. And I've seen a lot of great quarterbacks that has let pressure affect them. I played with a couple, and I've also played with one or two, especially one in Joe Montana, that he loved pressure. The more pressure in the game, the better he liked it. The more pressure in the game, the better he played. And you see a little bit of that. Actually, see a lot, a lot of, of that mm-hmm. in Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. But just watching, you know, and I, I think, I, and, and I, I think that part of it is a obviously, you know, being in a professional athlete family that helps. No, it really helps. And but the other thing is, I think at Texas Tech, you know, especially with the way their defense was and playing in the Big Twelve, where you know, and I was coaching at that time, you had to score thirty-five points, forty-two points in a game to win. So he has always had that ability and has always had that mindset that I got to score points. I got to find a way to score points. And he's kind of taken that with him here to the NFL. And really, the NFL is that way right now. It's just amazing to me how far ahead offenses are than defenses. This is as bad as I've seen as a collective in the NFL defenses probably since I've been watching. I don't know about you. You've been watching a lot longer than I've. Have you ever seen defenses so far behind offenses? No, and and not so quickly. I mean, not like 
Last year it was it was different. It was, it was just different. It was a little bit different last year. Although you got the Super Bowl and you know the winning team gave up like six hundred yards of offense, yeah. but but all of a sudden everybody in the league now now it's all about the offense. Can't touch a quarterback. Breland speaks has Tom Brady in his grasp and lets him go because he felt his body twist. He thought he threw the ball and he just let him go because I'm, I'm going to get penalized because of this. And I've I have never seen or heard anybody before speaks said that. That have ever, has ever said that about a quarterback? Oh, I let him go because I thought I was going to get a penalty. I, that was I was like stunned. I was like, and you could tell that's exactly why I did it. Yeah, you know, I had to watch that a couple times, and I because thought, you'll you'll see yeah. Brady turns his hips turn because he's actually it. trying to shake Breeland off, but he thinks his hips turn because he throws the ball. He didn't throw the ball. Yeah, and like I said, I had to watch it a couple of different times because I was kind of saying, okay, is this an excuse this young kid's making? Yeah. And you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be make. you know, you, you used kind of the, the popular uh, kind of uh, problem that's going on in the NFL right now to cover your ass, basically. You know, you're trying to cover a little bit, but it, you're right. I had to watch it, and you're right. He he thought that he threw it, and he pulled off. And that's the way that really is the, the defensive coordinators, the defensive coaches, the line coaches are all teaching these kids, hey, listen, you cannot land on the guy. You cannot drag him down and land on him. You, 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 there's so many different rules now with the quarterback. But, you know, I, I think when we were getting ready for the show, uh, I thought, who can we get on the show that can really kind of cover all the whole gamut, I mean, generational gamut, other than Frank Ball, who's been there since the beginning <laughs> of the NFL, but a guy that has played, uh, a guy that's been uh, the president of the NFLPA, mm-hmm. a guy that has uh, been an agent for a long, long time and is represented. So I said, let's get Tom Condon on. So you guys, stick in there because at six fifteen, a little bit later here, we're going to get uh, Tom Condon on and have him talk. He only has a couple minutes, and I got a ton of questions to ask him. But I, I can't wait to find out what. First of all, what he thinks of why this has happened in the NFL, and then what his players are saying about it. Because you know, the first thing you do if you're a defensive player, you're calling your agent. And you're saying, this is ridiculous. I can't play the game I want to play. And if you're an offensive player, you're calling your agent and saying, hey, listen, make sure you're marking this down because I, I'm doing we're going this, in this, and that. We're renegotiating, right? <laughs> it's exactly right. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many defensive players. He's been known as the quarterback guy. Okay, he's In fact, Alex Smith is, is one of his clients as well. Of course, you were one of his clients that was – that must have been gratuitous, an offensive lineman like you. He, he must have felt out. bad for you. <laughs> he was just he, starting out. He must, have, he must have been. But it'll be interesting <laughs> to talk to Tom about We'll talk to him a little bit about uh, about the NFLPA and where they're going with the concussion situation and all that sort of stuff. But we, we get back to Patrick Mahomes. The kid has God-given talent. There's no doubt about that. That arm is God-given. I mean, that's just, that's just physical ability. And he believes in himself. He believes in that. Um, Nothing affects him. Uh, they were down 24-9 halftime, and he just he was telling all the guys that were coming up to tell him halftime, come on, guys, we're going to be fine. Everything's good. Don't worry about it. We'll get back in a football game. Guys, team back in a football game, and they almost won. I still think a lot of it has to do with his upbringing with his dad and the fact that he was in so many professional clubhouses in Major League Baseball, met so many people, and just learned by observing and looking at them or talking talking to some of those guys about what it takes, and you know, you're in a slump. How, like, how do you got, especially baseball players? How, how do you got a slump? Well, what are you doing? What are you thinking about? Are you, are you pressing? Are you doing this? What, what do you, I mean, just the stuff he has learned and absorbed from that period of time. I think it has been a tremendous asset for him. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. 
Okay, I was at A1 Mortgage today. I'm going to drop a little plug in there for my good friends out there. Uh, yeah, we've, we heard the commercial. So, so, we, so we were out there today, and we're talking about the football game, and the one guy came on and said, oh, I went to bed at halftime. It was 24-9, you're in New England. I figured there's no way. He said, that is the last time I will ever go to bed. I don't care if it's 40 nothing. I will never go to bed before the game is over because that kid playing quarterback. What do you think this team's record would be right now with Alex Smith playing quarterback? And, and once again, I am not one of those guys who's piled on Alex Smith over the years. I think Alex Smith is a good quarterback. I don't think he's a difference maker quarterback. I think he's a good game manager, which is not a bad thing to be, Frank. I mean, not everybody's going to be the Patrick Mahomes. Not everybody's going to be the Brett Favre. Not everybody's going to be the Joe Montana's. I mean, those those are you know one in a thousand quarterbacks, generational, generational quarterbacks. Uh, so as far as Alex Smith, I mean, I'm not. I'm a guy that listen. You know, I, I thought he was serviceable, but I do think that the record, the Chiefs' record, would have been what we predicted there was going to be in the beginning of the year, either three and three or two and four, because we didn't know. I mean, we all hoped, but we didn't know. We all thought, but we didn't know that Patrick Mahomes was going to be this kind of a quarterback. Exactly. But we, you know, he could have came out and laid an egg and, and threw a bunch of interceptions. Not that we ever thought this, but he could be like that Peterson kid out in Buffalo where he's, you know, throw four or five interceptions in the first half of a game. Sure. You get pulled out, and then you, you go back in, and you throw a couple of interceptions, that kid's ruined. I mean, he'll never bounce back from that. So you never know what's going to happen. The unknown was there. So, I mean, if you're just going to go by what the defense was going to be and the offense was going to be and maybe, you know, hoping that Patrick Mahomes could be a difference maker, I think 3-3 three and three was a, a pretty good start for the Chiefs. But we didn't know Patrick Mahomes was going to be the kind of player he is. Not the kind of player that can make those adjustments. Not the kind of player, Frank. And, I, and you know, I know that Patrick Mahomes guys out there and people – and I know we like talking about him, and, and I know that that's the big topic. And it's easy to talk about Patrick Mahomes. So we'll get to another topic eventually. But you got to talk about, yeah, but you got to talk <laughs> about the guy. So, you know, and, and I love your baseball analogy because guess what? He struck out the first two times at bat in that game. He struck out the first two times at bat, and he looked bad doing it. He missed a bunch of guys. He, you know, he, he missed two He's guys. He's done that open. two games in a row in the first half. Right. He's thrown some interceptions. He threw an interception in the end zone. That's two strikeouts. All right. A lot of players after two strikeouts will lose their confidence. A lot of players after two strikeouts can't get up to the plate again and hit that double in the gap with the bags loaded. A lot of players, when it's, you know, the ninth inning and you've got to, you know, step up to the plate after striking out twice and hit one out. And that's what he did. So if you want to compare it to baseball and you want to compare it to, I, I thought you were exactly right, the locker room and learning from guys in the locker room and learning from his dad, he was 0 for 2 with two ugly strikeouts and then came back and hit a double in the gap and hit a home run to tie the game. Yeah. I mean, that to me is the kind of player we're talking about. Right. He, I mean, they're 15 down in New England. How, how many teams, like now they didn't come back and win, but how many teams even come back and you know, make it close? I mean, to a point where, you know, the other team's sitting there sweating oh, what the heck's going on, and the other guy across the way has already got a ticket to the Hall of Fame, and so does the head coach. The, Patrick Mahomes has affected the way that defensive coordinators playing the Chiefs and head coaches playing the Chiefs are thinking. And what is that? They want the ball last. And I'm not saying, I don't know if I buy into the whole theory what Shadia said, and, you know, I've looked at it. I don't think that they let him score. 
I, I also think the teams now are going to say, listen, it's going to be a big play either way towards the end of the game. We're either going to sack the quarterback, send seven or eight, or they're going to score and we're going to get the ball back. That's how teams are going to play against the Chiefs because they could score and Patrick Mahomes could score. So the last one with the ball, the last team that has the ball is probably going to win in these close games with the Chiefs. Yeah, exactly. And so what do you do? You try to find a way to have the ball last. And the, the New England Patriots did, and they won. But that, that is a whole different train of thought for defensive coordinators, a whole different train of thought for head coaches. They don't think that way. Right. He has changed the way that teams look at the Kansas City Chiefs. And to me, like you said, that's generational. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. I know we're going to take a break. We'll get Tom Condon in here. But the uh, the deal is everybody said, well, they should have let um, uh, Gronkowski score. Um Cream, or I'm sorry, Tyree Kill should have caught that ball, got past the guy, and then started running back and forth across at the one yard line. I'm just going, if, if you're a football player, seriously, you don't, I mean, I, I didn't play at your level, but that's the last thing in the world you're thinking about, right? Is uh, let, you know, let this Frank guy score so we're going to have X amount of more seconds. Just like, a lot, just like a lot of just things in crazy. life. Like a lot of things in life, you always want to score. I think we'll take a break. Tom Condon is next. The most powerful sports station in America has a home in Kansas City. This is Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, Frank, who do you got coming on? All right, buddy, we got a uh, really good guest here. Good friend of yours and mine. Former Boston College Eagle and offensive guard for the Chiefs of New England from 74 through 85. 131 starts. He earned his law degree while playing for the Kansas City Chiefs, former president of the NFLPA. He uh, joined IMG, the big agency, in 1991. He now works for the Creative Artist Agency. He has some of the top NFL players on his clients list, and he is on the Forbes magazine list of top agents. He is the one and only Tom Condon, who just happens to be well, that's happened. what I was going to say. Formerly was uh, Tim Grunhardt. You know, he's had a lot of. You've had a lot of great clients, Tom. But I know who your favorite <laughs> client was, and that was me. Tommy, how are oh, you? Yeah, absolutely. Joining, <laughs> I loved you, <laughs> Tommy. Thank hey, you so Frank, much. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on. I know you're good. You really got, good. You got some meetings coming up, so we'll get right to it. You know, obviously watching the Kansas City Chiefs and watching what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball, really. Just all around the NFL, offenses are just so much farther ahead right now than defenses. Is, is there any point, and you've been watching this and doing this for a long time, that you've seen such a disparity between offenses and defenses? Well, I'll tell you what, Gorney. I, I thought that uh, when they did the collective bargaining agreement in 93 and there was going to be a finite number of cap dollars, I, I thought that the dollars had to go to the players that changed the outcome of the game and the, and the game gets decided on third down. So I looked at the third down players, and it's quarterback, left tackle, deep threat wide receiver, disruptive defender on the defensive line that can uh, that can bother the quarterback, and the and the great cover corner, and and so that's what's happened. And as a matter of fact, uh, at that point, the NFL, you'll recall, changed the offensive line rules so that you could extend your arms inside the tackle tackle box. Yeah. Prior to that, it was illegal. It was a holding penalty. So as soon as as soon as uh, as they did that, then guys that looked like me were obsolete, and and you had to go to uh, you know big tall offensive linemen who had long arms 
and could keep the defender out uh, away as far as they can to protect the quarterback. Then they put the rules. The NFL decided that they wanted a passing league. They wanted more excitement. They wanted high-scoring games. And that the uh, you know running game and great defense wasn't as exciting as the spectacular catch. So uh, they protected the quarterback with uh, you know not being able to take an extra step, not be able to hit him in the head, can't hit him below the knee, um, and uh, and you can't flop on him or do any of those kinds of things. And uh, and, and so the you know the, the result was predictable. Uh, the the quarterback is now safer. Um, the unprotected wide receiver is safer. Uh, the enforcement of the five-yard chuck rule down the field now, so that there's a lot of interference penalties, and and it's what's what's resulted is that we've got a, an enormous increase in passing yardage from '93 until now. You know, Tom, that's very interesting that you talk about all those different rule changes, and, and you know, you don't think back to '93. You're exactly right. That's kind of when it all started. Yeah, and I know you've had a lot of quarterbacks, and this is a good thing for a lot of your clients that they're being taken care of from the guys on the field, the referees. But I know you have some defensive guys. Do the defensive guys call you, or do they have complaints and say, listen, we can't do our job. We can't play the kind of football that we're used to playing with these rules and these stipulations put us put on us on the field? Well, I'll tell you what, Granny. You know, the, uh, uh, I'm sure the defenders are, are disappointed that they, uh, you know, uh, I mean, the the great player there up in Green Bay that said that, you know, the two sacks and both of them were, uh, you know, penalized. I, I watched the replay and I, I couldn't see what was wrong with it. Uh, it. It just looked like any other tackle. But uh, so, yeah, the, I, the defenders are certainly upset about it. But, you know, I don't I don't really hear about it from my clients. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things you watch a young kid that speaks kid here in Kansas City pull off the quarterback at the last second because he doesn't want to hurt him or didn't want to get a penalty. And the next thing you know, he scores. But, yeah, so the rules have changed. You know what else has changed is, is obviously, you know, when you get in the negotiation with, with GMs and in the way that rookies now through the draft are kind of slotted and, and all those kind of things. I know that makes it probably a bit easier on you, but it, it's never easy. But uh, talk to us a little bit about now you go in and we just talked about the collective bargaining agreement. We just talked about the monies that are out there. Um, the second contract, how hard are these second contracts now? And because they're so hard, is that why you'll, you won't see a guy stay on a team for more than four or five years anymore? Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because, as you mentioned, the, uh, obviously when the players are drafted, they're slotted with regard to how much money they're going to make in terms of total dollars. Um, but they are not with regard to their guarantees. And so the guarantees are completely negotiable. And the integrity of the guarantee is also negotiable. And when I say integrity of the guarantee, I mean, you know, we, we had a team here two years ago. We ended up, uh, I, I think, uh, without exaggerating, I think that we've been last signed you know, with the first-round draft choice the last five years in a row. <laughs> and most of it is all, always because of the language, because they're, they're talking about that you've got a you've got a guaranteed you know first round draft choice completely guaranteed contract unless you're late for a uh, this was one of the clauses that they tried to get in unless you're late for a rehab session <laughs> I mean can you imagine if you're the top of the draft and you're you know thirty million dollars and you're going to lose the thirty million dollars worth of guarantees if you're late for a rehab session I, 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 no it floors me that they'd even think about putting that in there. Well, when we had the one, you know, this year with Rokon Smith there in uh, in Chicago, and it was all about uh, him getting, uh, you know, uh, suspended for uh, uh, hitting hitting with his head, 
and being out of, and being out of the game and being suspended and then losing his guarantees. I mean, he's the middle linebacker. <laughs> well, what's he supposed to hit him with? <laughs> That's the other big change in the league too. And you know, you you earned your law degree while you were a player, and we had Lawrence uh, Duvernay Tardif here, the offensive guard who's out right now, but he he earned a degree. He became a doctor while he's still playing in the, you know, like he's still trying to do the offseason stuff. It, it was probably a little bit different when you earned a law degree because you didn't have as much to do during the offseason as a lot of these guys do now. I mean, it's like 365 days now. How tough was it for you to do that while you're and how how difficult do you think or m- much more difficult was it for Tardif to get his uh, medical degree? Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know how Tardif would have done it now with the with the with the requirements that they have, and 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 we all know that it's supposed to be voluntary off season program and everything <laughs> yeah, like right. that. But but let's face it, it's voluntary mandatory, right? That's it. <laughs> and and back in the day, uh, we didn't have any off season. I mean, everybody, uh, most of the guys had jobs, and uh, because the money wasn't very good, so you had to you had to just to support yourself. You'd get a job, and my my first after my first year, I had a job, and then uh, then I got hurt my second year, and my third year, I started law school, thinking that I didn't know how long that football was going to last, and I could go an entire semester, and uh, and then do summer school, and then come back to the to the Chiefs. It, it was tell you the truth, it was easy. <laughs> after that, of course, Tom. Then you uh, you started on, uh, in your career. You were the president of the NFLPA. From '84 to '86, that was a while ago. How much? How different is it now for them? And the pressure is on them a lot to try to get some stuff done with the concussion protocols and trying to take care of of some of the players who played way back in the day. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, in in my 12 years in the league, I don't remember anybody being diagnosed with a concussion. Yeah. No. Yeah, really. I mean, you're exactly right. We had maybe one or two, and usually it was either Minuski or one of those kind of guys who were flying <laughs> down, just throwing their head into the uh, into the wedge on kickoff. Right. That was what it was. That's there was no concussions. Hey, hey, hey Grunny, but you'll you'll like this. Uh, so Kenny Kramer is in the uh, Fuzz is in the wedge, and the guy <laughs> is screaming down the field, and of course he and Fuzz go head to head and smash each other in the head. They both go backwards. And uh, the other guy is completely knocked out, and Fuzz is on the ground rubbing his head. And then he, get, he gets up and jogs off the field, and, and sits on the other team's bench. <laughs> and that was a, that wasn't a concussion. No, 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 nah, no, nah. absolutely not. No, just so, shake it off, kid. You're on the wrong bench. You know what? You know the funny thing is he actually went into the uh, injury tent on the other sideline. So I mean, you know. there was no injury <laughs> tent in those days. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, but how how different is it now, Tommy, with the NFLPA? Uh, well, the uh, different in what regard, Frank? Well, just just in the difference of maybe the more pressure that's on them coming from the players, especially some of the older players, to get uh, some things done for them. Well, you know, it's funny because there's always been there's always been that tension between the active players and the right. and the retired players. Because let's face it. It's the NFL Players Association. It's not the NFL Retired Players Association. Right. So, uh, any amount of money that that the players are able to negotiate for themselves in the collective bargaining agreement, if the if the if there's going to be improvements for the retired players, it has to come out of their you know their part of the money. Right. And uh, and I think most of the of the younger players are thinking that 
hey, those guys all had a chance to make the money when they were playing. <laughs> and uh, and, I, and but I'll, I will tell you this: when Upshaw was executive director, and he was he was fabulous. And uh, at one point uh, in 1987, uh, they decertified the union. They ended up um, filing a uh, antitrust suit, which uh, got us free agency. But it took from from then until 1993 till it was finally settled. Right. Um, but the uh, but yeah, up, Upshaw. At that point, we uh, the NFL failed to make the contribution to the pension fund. We sued them, if I remember correctly, for a hundred million dollars, and it, and it was part of the overall settlement. But the retired players got a forty percent increase from 1959 up until that present time on their pensions. And then subsequent to that, they did another increase of 10%. So, you know, guys were getting a 50% increase on their pension, which I always thought was pretty darn, you know, good. Oh, absolutely. And you're exactly right. I mean, 1990, 91, 92, going into 93 season, we'd have our NFL uh, PA meetings over at the Adams Mark because we weren't allowed to be in Arrowhead having those meetings. And right. it was just kind of what it was. But, Tommy, so – Real quick, uh, what what are you up to now? I know you got a, you have a meeting coming up here pretty soon, but uh, I know you're really you know you're out there. You're watching guys. I know you've uh, you've been over under the Golden Dome. I know you like to go visit there. I, I didn't get to see you, but I heard you were around. Uh, yep. So what do you go? You go around visiting teams, go looking at guys. Are you putting together some some guys for the business. What are you up to right now? Yeah, I've uh, you know so we we uh, so I'm doing a little bit of college recruiting, uh, but at the same time you know. Monday and Tuesday, of course, are injury days for us. And uh, because, as you know, players half a day on one of those days and a day off on the other day, so you can talk to them. And, uh, and, you know, if we've got guys that are injured, we're getting them second opinions and we're sending out MRIs and, and, and going to whatever the appropriate doctor is. Um, and, then, uh, and then basically I'm also, you know, going through the entire client list and trying to call all of our players. And then, you know, by the time we get to the weekend, uh, I'll, I'll try to go to a college game, but mostly I'm going to the NFL games. And uh, although I did get to see, uh, you're right, I went, I went to South Bend and I saw Notre Dame-Stanford, and uh, Notre Dame was, you know, they overpowered them. Um, I, and I had watched Stanford the week before come back for a, a huge victory, and, uh, and, and they had some good skill position people, but uh, Notre Dame was just too big and too strong. And uh, I was I was I was watching the guard there. He was yeah. uh, for Notre Dame. He was a six foot six, three hundred and fifteen pounder, three year starter. He played three different positions in the offensive line. The other guys elect him captain. Uh, he was having a heck of a game and driving a guy off the ball. Alex Bars yeah. driving a guy off the ball and somebody rolled up on him in uh, ACL. Yeah, it's tough. The, it's tough. You know, for the year. And real quick, tough I know game. I know you got to go real quick, but there are guys, and you don't. We don't. I mean, Joey Bosa. You don't have to talk about him particularly, but there are guys now that are saying, "Listen, you know what? If I have an injury, I'm going to skip it. I'm not playing. I'm going to go right to the NFL." Are you going to see more of that? Well, yeah, I, I think you probably will. And obviously, as we're, as we're all aware, you got to be three years out of high school before you're eligible for the NFL. And then you, every once in a while, you get uh, some player that's fantastic, like. Uh, you know that running back. Uh, what was it, Fournette? Yeah, yeah, yep. Leonard Fournette. Yep. Yeah, and let's face it. By by the time he's finished with his second year, he <laughs> looks like he could be an, an, a really good NFL running back. Uh, but he's got to play another year, right? So uh, so yeah, Nicky Bosa did the uh, he did the abdominal surgery, or, or you know, which is obviously a difficult one because it's uh, you're you're messing with your core and 
and that helps you with your balance and movement and all of those things. And uh, and so there was, you know, the doctors are saying some doctors uh, said, you know, seven to nine, and some said nine to twelve. And uh, and his father John played in the league and was a first round draft choice defensive lineman as well. And he said, hey, you know, we've got uh, you know tens of millions of dollars at stake here, and, uh, and and you know the boys played hard for him and done all that, but right now it's he, 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 you know he wants to protect him. Yeah, and I don't and I don't blame him. Hey, Tommy, thanks so much for coming on. I know you're busy, man, and we love when you're back here in Kansas City. But we know you're all over the place doing your thing, and uh, we're awfully proud to have Tom Connor from Kansas City. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to Alumni Day too, with uh, Tony Gonzalez going into the Ring of Honor. That's yep. awesome. It'll yeah, be you great bet. To see Tony, Tom, going. good talking to you. I still remember you invited me out to dinner one night. You and Gene Upshaw down on the plaza, and we did a little interview about the NFLPA and where the negotiations and, were going. And he made you pay, it didn't he? Great. No, he did not yeah. make me pay. He made Gene pay. He made Gene pay. <laughs> it was awesome. All right, Tommy. Hey, you thanks bet. for coming on. Thanks, pal. Okay, fellas. Enjoy All right, it. All right guys. That was Tom Condon. We're going to take a little break here. We're going to come back. We have the Action Network guru coming on. And uh, we, we, he's going to have some great stuff. We'll be right back. Kansas City's hometown sports station. Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, guys. Welcome back to Crunch Time. It was great having Tommy Condon on, Frank. Uh, he's just so smart. Great he's guy. such a great guy. Yep. And uh, knows so I'll much. I'll tell you what. All, hats off even. I don't care if they didn't have any off-season program. He gets your lot of great same time you're playing the NFL. That ain't an easy thing to do. He is a smart cat. Yeah, he, he is. is a really smart He's guy. Done very well. But we have another smart guy on from the Action Network, the Gambling Network. Not really gambling. It's, I guess it is, but it's more than that. It's got all the statistics. It's got all the fun stuff that you want analytics, to know about Analytics, Tim, is the word. Analytics, analytics. statistics, all that stuff. <laughs> Scotty Miller, what's going on, Scotty? Thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having me on, Tim. You didn't tell me when you asked me to come on I was going to follow Tom Condon. I might have reconsidered. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Uh, he's a tough one to follow, but I know you could do it. You know, Let's take a look at this game. And, Scotty, by the way, I, I have to give uh, you guys a lot of credit. Uh, you guys were one of the few that had the under-over. Did you have that 60 last week? For the yeah, Chiefs? And- yeah, that, that, was, that, was one of the high, well, that was one of the highest over-unders we've ever seen. Uh, in our database, which goes back to 2003, it was tied for the highest. And, yeah, it was it was at 60. And, obviously, uh, we're talking about probably one of the most imbalanced teams I've ever seen in terms of an offense so good and a defense <laughs> uh, r- really so awful in, in the Chiefs. And uh, that's really what contributed to that just blazing over, uh, pretty easily. All right. So, we, once again, you have uh, one of the worst defenses in the Cincinnati Bengals that are giving up. Uh, just about 410 yards of offense a game going against probably one of the best, if not the best, in the Kansas City Chiefs are, are putting up 418 points. So it looks like there's going to be some scoring in this game because, listen, the, the Bengals are, are pretty darn good on offense too. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, are you guys going to say, hey, look, why not push it to 70? What, I mean, it, why not push it to 80? You guys could have been Tim, 80 last Tim, week. Tim, they're trying to make money over there, okay? You understand <laughs> but, what they're doing. They're going to make it. I, I'm telling you, it's going to be 40 to 40 or something again. So, Scott, Scotty, talk to us about what, what what have you seen when you're you're breaking this game down with the analytics and the numbers. I mean, what, what, what should Kansas City Chief fans expect in this Sunday night game? 
Yeah, I think you can you can expect a lot of points. The over under is actually a little lower than last week. Uh, it's fifty eight right now. It is still by far the highest uh, of the entire week, which again is b- becoming a, a little bit of, a little bit of a broken record with with this Chiefs team. Um, you, we all know about the Chiefs. The Chiefs are who they are. I don't really think you're going to run into too many defenses who are going to be able to consistently stop all of the weapons in, in all of the different phases and all the ways they can beat you. Uh, the unknown here is, is Cincinnati, and they've, they've really impressed me this year. Even after they lost Tyler Eifert uh, to an injury, they've sort of kept rolling uh, against some pretty solid defenses, and their offensive line is good. And when their offensive line is good, Tim, you, you know this better than anyone, it really helps the quarterback. And Andy Dalton is a totally different guy when he is under pressure versus when he is not. And they've kept him relatively clean this year. The, the guy I would really look for and the guy who – if I'm a Chiefs fan, I am really scared of this weekend is Joe Mixon. Yeah. Joe Mixon is probably going to average six to seven yards of carry against this against this Chiefs front seven that is just not good whatsoever in, in really any metric or any eye test that, that you want to uh, look at. It they will be able to consistently move uh, move the ball through the run game. We saw the Patriots were able to do that. I think the Chiefs rank. 31st out of 32 teams in yards per carry allowed, 32nd in a, in a bunch of advanced metrics in terms of run defense. So that, to me, is, is where I think the Chiefs are going to have a lot of problems on defense and where I think you're going to see more points scored uh, this weekend. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, one of the things that, that, that uh, I started on my, on my uh, fantasy team was mixing. I, there's no chance that they're going to stop him in – and, uh, you know, that's going to be the point of emphasis for the Chiefs this week. You know, they're going to talk about it, and they're going to try and do everything they possibly can. But remember, you know, Dalton's had a nice uh, uh, a nice year so far getting the ball up the field to the receivers, too. So you're exactly right. I mean, you got to pick your poison, and you might as well give them six yards and not 60. So, I, I mean, that's this, this kind of the way the Chiefs have, have been thus far this year. Um, okay, so – Patrick Mahomes, um, when, when you're looking at when you're looking at the the, the kind of the, the the statistics and the metrics of this game, and, and you have to consider Patrick Mahomes. Have you seen a guy that plays as well in a second half as he does? You know, first half he looks pedestrian at times, but in the second half it's a whole different thing. And how does that you know weigh in? One of the things that I know you probably are, are looking at because you know Andy Dalton has not played well on the road this year. He has not played that great on the road, and maybe it's because of what you said, the pressure. But when you look at it, you have Patrick Mahomes at home and the way he finishes in the second half, and you got a Andy Dalton who is a guy that doesn't play well on the road, it, it, it really fits nicely for the Chiefs in this game. I think it does to it to, to a certain extent. I would say, Tim, you know, the Chiefs are six point favorites. I think that is that's a totally valid line. The Chiefs have covered every single spread this year they are the only team in the nfl to do that um six is about probably as high as as odds makers would make this game but the thing i would worry about is if you're the chiefs what you're saying about andy dalton on the road is totally true i think the crowd will will bring it uh i think the pass rush will be moderately effective that's probably been like if there is a bright spot on the chiefs defense that has has been the brightest spot from what I've seen so far this year. But I, I'm just not so sure that this Chiefs defense is going to be able to get consistent enough stops to where this is this is not going to be a tight game, to where this, this is not going to be pretty similar to what we saw uh, last Sunday night, which was, you know, last team 
with the ball, more likely than not, is the team that's going to win the game. Scott, do you uh, look at the Chiefs' problems with the running game and trying to stop the running game more at the inside linebacker or more at the strong safety being missing? You know, uh, you know, Eric Berry's every day, it's day-to-day, and it has been for about 65 or 70 days now. He just doesn't practice anymore. Do you think it's more one or the other, or is it a combination of just both being just, just total disaster areas? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good question. I think in the NFL, because we're so uh, quarterback-obsessed and fancy football-obsessed, we can really forget about the sneaky impacts that uh, you know very, very good defenders can have on their team when they are not there. Look at what has happened to Seattle every time Earl Thomas has been out. Look at the Chiefs You know, a couple years back when Justin Houston would miss significant time or miss the entire year that the pass rush would, would go from pretty good to just downright awful. Uh, I, th- I think that you, we can't overstate the impact of Eric Berry's injury, but it's, it's not just that it's, it's, I, I think it's the lack of speed and athleticism at the second level. And th- there's just not, it's, it's never going to be, it's never going to be one thing, but it, it's you know, tackling. It's very simple things. Uh, and, and really, it just comes back to talent. Now, what I would say, in the end, in the NFL, um, if you put a gun to my head and said, you have to pick having a good defense or a good offense, I would pick a good offense every single time. And we, we as Chiefs fans, have sort of lived through um, both ends of the spectrum over the past couple of years. Um, but... Alex Smith probably isn't coming back from what, whatever it was, twenty-four to nine at halftime against the Patriots. You have a chance if you have, you have a chance to come back from that against the elite quarterbacks in the NFL if you have a an elite offense. So, while I I would say the defense is a concern, the Chiefs will never be out of any game with fifteen at quarterback, and and that that more than anything is is probably the most important thing to take so far from this season. Right, and that and that is the Chiefs. Now, how much more do you look at it? from last year or maybe the last couple of years to this year that it really is I'd take a good offense over a good defense because defense aren't allowed to do anything. Not allowed to hit anybody. <laughs> not allowed to tackle the quarterback. They can't bump any receivers. They're getting called for all kinds of pass interference down the field. How much more has that changed your analytical view at the game to this year from maybe even last year or the last two years to this year? Yeah, I think it's been – I mean it- – Listen, there's definitely been something a little different this year. Everyone who's watching the game can can totally see it. But I, I think where you really see the stark, stark difference is five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago. Um, th- that's where you're going to see – because these things sort of happen over time. And there's not really like one smoking gun that, that really leads to the offensive explosion. It's just you look back and five years ago you're like, holy cow, throwing for 300 yards is pretty good. You know, <laughs> Mahomes might do that in two and a half quarters now. Um, and, and a lot of other guys might do that in two and a half quarters now. So um, I, I do think what you're seeing from a rule standpoint this year is very, very much contributing to uh, quarterback stats being totally off the charts, points being totally off the charts. Um, but, it, but it's not all traced back to that. It's really a progression of um, the rule changes and, and the like over the past five to seven years, I would say. All right, let, let me ask you one question. He's the dirtiest player in the NFL. Vontez Burfecht for Cincinnati, obviously. Last last week, 
several incidents. He hits uh, Antonio Brown at least you know once where they have him held up and he goes in there and gets away with it. And then he points across the line of scrimmage at Juju Smith-Schuster and screams, you're next. <laughs> and Big Ben heard him and you know brought it up after the game was over. Does a player like that, that the other players know how dirty he is, does that have an effect at all on, you know, everybody has their head on a swivel and they're worried about where number 55 is? I think it, it probably – it's it's one of those, like, intangible things for us as, as fans. I mean, Tim, you would, you would probably know better than, than than me with this one, but I, I think it has to, particularly with someone like Travis Kelsey who has taken big hits over the middle, who's gotten concussions. And, you know, if you go back to that, I believe it was a playoff game last year. Um, yeah. I think he'll be very, very, very aware uh, of where Vontez Burfecht is. I think Kareem Hunt in the screen game and some of the over-the-middle passes they like to throw, up the seam passes they like to throw to him, will be very aware. Um, I also think the Chiefs are pretty well equipped to attack someone like Burfecht, who is one of the slower uh, inside linebackers in the NFL. He's very talented. He's very talented against a run, but uh, it, it is not as, as – uh, potent in coverage, and I, I think the Chiefs can can win a lot of matchups uh, against them. All right, Scotty, last thing, the Action Net- Network, you guys are getting pretty busy. You have uh, football, obviously the NFL, college football. Now you have uh, the NBA kicking in, and you have uh, hockey kicking in. Uh, so tell everybody a little bit about what you guys are doing over there and how people can get online and, and, and join the club. It's great. I join. I love it. I, I'm on it every day. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on over there with all this action. Thanks, Timmy. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's actionnetwork.com. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great website. We do a ton of content, uh, and it's geared for people who play fantasy sports and, and who like to uh, wager on sports from time to time as well. We, we'll break down games in detail. We'll have a big Chiefs-Bengals preview, all from a betting fantasy analytical angle that, that posts tomorrow that you can – keep an eye out for uh and yes you're right we're covering major league baseball playoffs every day nhl nba um on down the line uh you can download our app at actionnetwork.com slash app uh track your scores track your bets all that good stuff give us a prediction sunday night i would say 33 to 30 chiefs oh so they're gonna they're gonna go over the over good I like that. 63, and and the Bengals are going to cover. The Bengals are going to cover. Ooh. I, You know, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think it's going to be really close. Yeah. I, I do. That's going to be it. It's going to be All another right. one of those games that, uh, and I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have to come back and uh, hey, win man. the game. Hey, it, man, it's, it's not going to be boring. We know that with this team. It, it'll, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be a fun ride from, from start to finish, which is all you really want. And a uh, certain guy just texted me, uh, <laughs> uh, and guess who that would be? It would be your pops. It's yeah, that's, that's probably my thing. <laughs> it's, it's great to... <laughs> It's great to have you on. We'll have you on again here in a couple weeks, but uh, you're doing a great job. Action Network's awesome. Love it. On it all the time. Get the app. Get online and check this thing out. It's awesome. Thanks so much, Scotty, for coming on. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. See you, Scott. Uh, all right, Frank. So if you look at this game, let's let's uh, we have a couple minutes here. If you look at this game, listen, there's, there's a couple things you have to – and I liked your question. I liked your question about – I liked your question about um, about about the toughness of the Bengals' defense, especially with the cheap shot. Yeah, know, with Burfick. Yeah, their defense ain't great, yeah. but that guy is scary. But, but they are he's, tough. He's they, a scary guy. But I, when you, there's a difference between being, you know, they're tough. They're not any good, but they're no, tough. No, he's dirty. 
Yeah. And he might be tough, but he's dirty yeah. too, which is a total different but, story. Yeah, they're, he's dirty. Uh and you know, they, they do they do hit late. They they Not they good. tackle hard. Uh they just aren't very good. Um, you know, I the one thing I do Yeah, right. You know, Bengals are rallying the ball. They just have are making plays. Guys are, you know, beating them, but they're at least they're 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 busting their butts to get to the ball. They're getting right. to the throw. I think they're going to score often. You know, they're talking, uh, once again, it's the same thing. They got Patrick Mahomes' uh, jersey dirty. But the one thing that they're saying that a lot of teams haven't said, Frank, and I want to get your opinion on this, that uh, the kid's a rookie. No, he's not. And I think this is the this is a kid I think Andy Reid knew he was getting. And that's why they, they made the Alex trade all that more viable for them. So, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's making them – it's making – it's making Andy look like a friggin' genius at the moment in, in Brett Veach. And Veach says he's the best player he's ever seen since he's been in the NFL uh, to, to draft. And they went up and they got him. And they put all their eggs in his basket. And that's the way they're going to go. And, that's why they could get rid of the number one rated quarterback in the NFL. Because they knew what the kid was going to do. So okay. he is. And, you know, they believed he was going to be able to do this. We were all skeptics. We weren't sure. We thought rookie mistakes. He's going to do this and that. And he's made some. But then he's also made up for them, and that's what the incredible part of this kid is. You know, if you, if you look at the Cincinnati football team, the, the offensively they've struggled on the road, but uh, they have scored 29 points a game, so they're, they're scoring points. Uh, the other thing they have, they've, they've got a really nice running back and Mixon, and they have some really quality wide receivers. Uh, they can score points, and, and they have a pro, pretty prolific offense. Uh, although their defense is just not very good, right. I mean, last week they gave up 111 yards to James Conner from Pittsburgh, and they had uh, and 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 Pittsburgh, even though there was a bunch of cheap shots and guys yeah. were getting knocked out, they still had two receivers that had over 100 yards receiving, and uh, they gave up 481 yards to yeah. Pittsburgh. Right. So this is a team that could be scored upon. Uh, AJ Green, who's having another impressive year on the offensive side good for player. Cincinnati, that's a guy that scares me. You know, right. I, listen, they're going to give up their. The, the Chiefs, the, in, in a perfect world, they want to be a bend-don't-break defense. Yep. They they want to get you inside the, the red zone and, and kind of pack it in and make you kick field goals. If they can do that, they, they'll win football games because they, they know their offense is going to score six. Yeah, right. So if you can get, you know, if you can get, you know, you don't give up the big play, you know, kind of, you know, play that man and have, you know, cover two man, have some guys' safeties over the top, try to press the receivers, and you're going to give up some yardage in the run game. You're going to give up that, you know, five or six yards on first down. You don't want to, but you're going to. Uh, when you get in that red zone, you can pack it in and hopefully stop them. I think that's the recipe right. for the Chiefs, especially at home. I think the Bengals are smarting after last week's loss. They f- they feel they got cheated anyway. They had a pick play where Antonio Brown scored the game-winning touchdown. Uh, was not called. They've fallen to four and two. They know they have to try to get in here and try to get back into that race in the AFC North, number one. And number two, they probably don't want to let a team like Kansas City Chiefs get too far ahead of them, just like New England had their back against the wall last week when they played the Chiefs. They knew this team's coming in here. Uh, They're undefeated. We can't fall any further behind than we already are. They'd already had two losses, so they really, you know, got their backs up and got after it. And you worry just a little bit, and I don't know if, this will happen, but maybe a little bit of a hangover for New England loss. I don't see this team being like that. They're playing at home. Maybe if they're, they're on the road again, I'd see that. But um, b- being at home, coming off a loss, um, I hope they just don't have a hangover. Everybody's been saying, yeah, but you played great, and it was New, and it was New England, New England, and you guys are great, and the whole thing. But uh, 
It'll be interesting to see how they react. Yeah, and you got the injury report. You got Eric Berry, who is, is not participating. You got Jeez. Justin Houston's not participating. Do you think Berry's going to play for the season? Though? I Seriously. don't know, man. I, I don't know. Oh, and, you know what? And, and you know, I wanted to get to it. We didn't have time, but the way Hitchens is playing and he's injured. Oh God, I'm not hurting. sure if Barry's looking out there like I'm not going to go out there and play like that. <laughs> and then Mitch Morris is the center. He, yeah, he's, he's out. He's out. That, that hurts. Yeah. Uh, the Bengals have uh, 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 they have a cornerback. They, they have, have a, a long linebacker. List. They got they have a, a bunch long of, list. Yeah. They have their their starting tight end. Uh, their starting safety that may not play. So it's that time of the year, Frank. Uh, what's your prediction? Uh, I picked them to win. I said they're going to score 40 again. It's going to be 40-30. Yeah, I, I, I'm going 42-35. I mean, it's going to be right up there again. It's, I, I, I do think the Chiefs are either going to be behind or even in the fourth quarter and Mahomes is going to bring them back. I mean, it's just what they're, what's happening. If they can stop them. If, here's the deal. If, if Cincinnati kicks three field goals in the game, we'll definitely win. Okay. Three well, field goals. They're well, going to score every time they have a ball. Well, but the, if well, the but, Chiefs make them punt, that's, I just asked you that one. They, they got to stop them in the red zone. Yeah. You know, make some be nice to make the, the team punt a couple of times. <laughs> that okay, would, that would that'd be, be nice. good. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be nice. All right, man. Well, we'll we'll be watching Sunday night. It'd another be fun. A flex game. Hopefully, the Chiefs' defense can flex their muscles. Yeah, you bet, pal. All right, man. Well, hey, listen. Thanks for listening. It's great having Tommy Condon on. Great having Scotty Miller on. From the Action Network, Frank, it's always great being in here with you. It's getting dark. It's that time of the year. That time of year, it's pal. It's fall. The leaves are changing. There's a nip in the air. Kansas City Chiefs playing at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. It's, Let's get another victory, man. It's, it's crunch, crunch time. time. Follow the Chiefs right here on your home for the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl. Sports Radio 810 WHB.